Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good morning, Bruce, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Show, everyone. Bruce, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Well, we are back together after a little break of you've been doing some shows on your own. Thank you so much for just continuing on this great educational work that we're doing and um, just being able to keep people abreast of what is going on in the infinite banking world and infinite banking space. And what we want to do today is we're going to continue on with our series. We had been going through Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, and we had done six parts so far, breaking up the material and the content. And really today, we're going to continue diving into that. This is part seven. And if you are following along or have the book in front of you and you would like to know where we are, we are on page 28 of the fifth edition. And we're talking about Parkinson's Law. And if we have time for it today, we will also dive into Willie Sutton's Law. So if you are not a Nelson Nash fan or follower already, you might be saying, what in the world is Parkinson's Law? And what in the world is Willie Sutton's Law? So let me just set the stage briefly for you. We first came into the whole conversation about infinite banking from the perspective of we have a need to finance and we have a need to store capital. And infinite banking is a fantastic place to do that. However, once we get through all the technicals and all of the mechanics of how infinite banking works, Nelson Nash steps back for a minute and he says, thus far, we've covered only the technical aspects of infinite banking, but we need to address a very big problem. That's a human problem. You say, we don't have any human problems. If you are thinking there's no human problems, you're probably not existing in this world today. There are lots of human problems. But today we're going to talk about an internal human problem, an internal piece of our human nature that causes us to fail at almost everything that we try and how we can overcome that. And Nelson was very astute in addressing this because there's so much about mindset that is necessary in order to be successful with infinite banking and making progress financially. So before I give away the whole story, Bruce, let's just hear your perspective before we dive into this. Well, you know, yeah, I'm I'm shocked every once in a while. I will go onto Amazon and I will read some of the reviews, and most of them are very positive of Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. The negative ones tend to be negative towards the fact that Nelson, they said it was too folksy and it's really not a book about um, finance. It's actually a book about, you know, how people behave and they didn't like that. Mm. And I, and I thought if we go back to Nelson, uh, five tenets, um, one was rethink your thinking and those people haven't rethought their thinking. Um, they already think they have it all figured out and they think it's all about the numbers. That's what will make them successful and build their wealth and so on and so forth. And Nelson obviously thinks that's important because he talks about how much money's flown out of your control as far as financing. But I think what he's, what we're going to talk about today is actually more important because if you could overcome some of the Parkinson law things, then you wouldn't even have to finance things. And what's interesting about that is, 
you know, I know we have listeners in other countries, but most of our listeners are in the United States. And the United States has a great job of marketing consumption to the American people. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. And our and our frankly, our government does it. You know, they talk about retail numbers and how much spending's going on, the economics of it, and so on and so forth. And you know, um, Nelson was an Austrian economist, and you know, the Austrians believe in sound money and not multiplying the money and actually saving before you buy. And, you know, we're coming up on $33 trillion of debt as the time we do this podcast. And we're paying interest on that debt. And, you know, if people would stop and think about this in their own, in their own households, when they have debts, let's just, let's say they have $30,000 of car debt and they have $30,000 of of um, credit card debt, and they're paying uh, $600 to the car, and they're paying $1,200 to the credit card. That's $1,800 that's going to pay interest that could be used for your family to save. And I always say when you save, that's uh, more than you can then invest or, frankly, give away if you'd like, if, if that's part of your mission. Mm-hmm. So, Really, the the cost of financing actually drags your own personal economy, just like it drags our GDP growth in the United States. And so Nelson says it's not about getting a better rate of return. It's not about the next greatest investment. It's about overcoming a couple of human flaws that we have. And that's the folksy part about it. And that's the part that I really liked about Nelson. Nelson was a was a kind, gentle small, very small man, but he always looked at things in, in a big perspective, even though he was small and he knew humans had flaws. He was also a Christian man. And he used to always talk about, we don't need all these laws. We just need the 10 commandments. And so I, I think of people, if they're really trying to be successful with their families and whatever that means to them, whatever that means, as far as the amount of success they have with money, relationships, you really need to start by looking inside yourself and taking personal responsibility. And I know this is a long kind of introduction, but this is the stuff I'm seeing on social media right now, where where certain social media finance people are talking about, oh, look, you can do this in, in three years. You can pay off your mortgage in five years without ever changing anything you do or you can grow wealth easily by um, using leverage and investing in this and the cash flow. And you're going to have more passive cash flow in just two years and you can stop working. And I'm, and I'm like, if we all sit down or maybe just that, maybe not sit down, but take a step back and say, is that really possible? I mean, it's, it's really a, a stretch to think that, you can do all those things in a very short period of time, but they play on people's emotions. And you really take, need to take personal and full responsibility of doing your education, not only about the things you want to do, but take full responsibility in the education of looking inside and seeing how you're really thinking about that situation. Well, Bruce, I think what's really interesting about the whole thing is that it can be very easy to focus on something outside of ourselves because that can seem easier to grasp. 
But if we have to look inside, well, then we have to get introspective and we have to be honest about ourselves and we have to deal with our faults and we have to overcome them. And that's a lot of work. And it seems like the, I love the comment we had here, Ghostwriter is the name um, on YouTube, but he said, I love the human capital aspect. We don't talk about it because it's seen as a soft science. I mean, when anything is seen as not as measurable, not as concrete, not as data-driven, not as analytical, not as rational, that word's going to come up in a minute, not as objective, it seems like it can't be as important. But the truth is, what's inside of us is really what drives our success or lack of success with any system we use. And you can use a perfect system, or you can have a perfect um, product, or you can have a perfect strategy. But if you inside are not using it well with the right mindset, it's not going to work. And so the difference between two people using the exact same strategy is going to be their mindset drives who's going to be the winner. And that's found to be true in Olympic athletes. You might have two people with the exact same skills. The one who's going to win is the one who has conquered their mindset just a little bit more than somebody else. It's not really just a matter of what's physical and external. It's really a lot of what is inside. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I love I love our guests that we have on and I love our clients. I learn a lot from them. So like Nene, one of our clients is is has Nigerian descent and I and I've met many Nigerians that have immigrated over the years and they're very entrepreneurial minded. And I asked Nene one day, I you know, I said, "Hey, why are Nigerians so entrepreneurial?" Entre- entrepreneurial minded. She said, well, in Nigeria, there's no, there's no real government programs that can support you. So you have to be entrepreneurial to survive mm-hmm. in that situation. And so it, it is about mindset. Um, Mark Battiato, who we've had on the a dentist consultant, who we have on the show before, said some of the best counseling advice he ever got was when um, he, a counselor said, well, um, what, what's going on in your relationship? And he said, well, you know, I'm just, I'm not sure I, I love her anymore. And, and uh, the counselor simply said, well, then just love her. <laughs> and he goes, well, that's no, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not that simple. I don't, I don't love her. He goes, well, no, you can decide whether you love her or not. So just, just love her. And I think, I think it's, it's, it's so simplistic. Mike Kitko, another one of our guests that we've had on, you know, Mike talks about the, your your mindset being a big driver of of your success and relationships. And he will talk to his his uh, his his mastermind classes, and and he will he will tell them to visualize, you know, their their new future because that visualization will actually take them someplace. And and he has a great following. Um, that he has helped along because of that visualization of mindset uh, going forward. So our mind, we don't even know what we, where we can take things um, into the future because of the limitations of our understanding of our own mind. But what I do know is there, I, I have a really good friend that I've known for 40 years and he's the most pessimistic person that I've ever been around. And he always says that, I want to be pessimistic so that when it happens, I don't get too down. I've already been down. Mm-hmm. And when it, when it doesn't happen, I actually am more excited. 
And I said, well, Rick, how often it is, how often do you get excited? He goes, well, not very often because he's pessimistic. And I said, well, then why, why actually feel bad about those times when you are, are optimistic, you've wasted all that energy mm-hmm. and you didn't have to. And he still couldn't get that concept, you know, going forward. So when you're, when you're looking around your life, you got to look for signs and you got to surround yourself with people that think like you. Um, I, I don't know if our listeners know, but I like to play golf. A lot of people like to play golf. And there's a, there's a certain things about golf that I think are very much like life. And one of them is you have to play the ball where it lies, where no matter where you hit it. And, you know, people will hit, hit out of the fairway and they will leave a little depression. It's called a divot. And occasionally you'll hit the ball and it goes into a divot. And it's like, how is that fair? You know, you've hit it right down the center of the fairway. And yet now it goes into a depression and you're going to have a very difficult time of hitting it. Well, that is like life is. Sometimes you're going to do everything right and something's going to go wrong. We talked about we talked about this in our business episode once before where you can have the greatest business plan and that and you can be and have the greatest service or or um product that a, people need but if you're in the wrong economic environment you're not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And then you could also have the wrong economic environment, you could have a service and you're not very good at it, but because not other people have been put out of business for a certain reason, people have to turn to you. So you can actually be in a really good economic or excuse me, bad economic environment, but something that's caused other people to go out of business. So they have to turn to you. So there is, there is a element of luck in all this or or uh, statistical probability, we might say, of this. And so people really need to understand how to overcome those. And that was Nelson's rethink your thinking. And that's what we're going to talk about here in just a second. So the final thing to just bring my golf analogy back so maybe people could understand is here's the difference. Some people see that ball on the divot and it's a terrible lie and they think, Oh, this gives me an opportunity to show my skill when things aren't perfect. Other people see that ball in the divot and think, everything in my life is terrible. Why can't I get a break? And their mindset is already beaten. And guess what happens? The results are normally very poor. And so your mind can overcome a lot of things in your life, not only financial, but emotional. So let's let's talk then about how Nelson brings these yes. different types of mindset into his idea of, of money and financing. Well, Bruce, again, it's all personal responsibility. You can't change the outcome, but you can change what you do to get the best outcome. So we didn't ask this question in the beginning. I would love to know, drop in a comment if you are already familiar with, and if you have read Becoming Your Own Banker. So say, yes, I've read Becoming Your Own Banker. If you have not heard of or read Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash, please let us know in the comments as well. And we would love to just kind of hear what your familiarity level of this is. You can go back to all the past six episodes in this Becoming Your Own Banker series where we've unpacked the book so far. And now here we're coming to this human problem. And 
Um, so Bruce, I'll just kind of lay the stage a little bit for this. Um, as Nelson comes into this chapter, he says, he talks about C. Northcote Parkinson. You can look him up. I actually pulled up this PDF that he wrote. It's about 48 pages. I did not read it all last night. I will just um, let you know that I was reading or realizing that it's available if you want. Um, C. Northcote Parkinson. He was alive from 1909 to 1993. He was a British essayist, lecturer, and economist. And he did a lot of work um, in those fields, but he wrote a book called Parkinson's Law. And he uncovered a lot. There's a lot of statistical data in there. There's a lot of understanding how committees work and how if you're in a committee, you're not going to necessarily um, be able to achieve the objectives that you have set forth because of everyone's mindset that's in the committee. So there's a lot in this in this very interesting um, little book that you can download. You can go read it. It's it reads very much like a white paper. So it's very technical. However, what I would what we want to point out that Nelson really brings to the forefront here is that Parkinson's law at its core states that work expands to meet the time envelope allowed. So if time had an envelope, the time capacity, the time um, length, work will fill whatever's allowed. And then he goes on basically to say, this means if you give somebody a three-day deadline or a 30-day deadline, they're going to use the full time to accomplish the objective. If you have a 10-minute goal or you have an hour target, you're still going to come in right at the end of that time frame because your work is going to expand. You'll find other ways to make the project bigger than necessary or smaller than necessary or get more clear if you have less time. So this is an argument in favor of saying we can be more productive if we shrink our timetables because if we just expand our timetables all the time, we're going to have lower productivity. But then he relates this over to money. So Bruce, I'll let you um, explain what he means when he relates this idea of time or work fills the time envelope required or the time envelope allowed. How does that relate to money? Well, I think the first the first thing is um, I'd like to comment is I, I've been guilty of that on several occasions over my life, and I'm oh, always overcome. I'm always overcoming that. But the greatest example, I think, is when I was in college and you had a, you know, you had a paper that was due, you know, and, and you know, the professor might say, well, you know, in one week you have to produce this paper. Another professor might say in, in one month you have to produce this paper. And the same, the same thing happened. You know, I would, I would wait till the last couple of days and no matter if it was a week or 30 days, I did the same thing. But what Nelson was talking about is this expands, I guess, Parkinson's actually, but Nelson felt like to put this in the book, is this expands to the same way we think about money because, and I know this happens, I overcame this early in my career. Whenever I would get a raise, I would think to myself, you know, I've been working hard and I deserve to spend this money on something else. And the same guy I was just talking about the big pessimist that I used to work with. I remember the first time he got a raise, he, he called his wife up and said to meet him after work. And they actually drove and they bought a big television with the raise money. And that is what Nelson talks about that a luxury enjoyed once becomes a necessity. 
And so <clears> the <throat> same thing in, the, in that situation. So he thought the big, the big television was now he enjoyed it somewhere. So now he and his wife had to have the big television. And so that is exactly the same as a luxury enjoyed once becomes a necessity. If you think about it in as far as a car, Nelson uses the example of an air conditioner in a car. I can remember growing up, we didn't even have air conditioning in our house. And, you know, now I can't believe it. My wife and I actually talked about in college, you know, we said, because we didn't have air conditioning in college. And we were like, we are never not going to have air conditioning. Yeah. And yet, you know, the <laughs> the first 18, 20 years of my life, I didn't have air conditioning in my house. And I lived in the Midwest where it would get to 100 degrees sometimes. But now I can't imagine not having air conditioning. Well, that happens with every aspect of your life. So as soon as you make more money, you're like, I deserve to spend it on something else. You don't delay gratification. Mm -hmm. Dr. Bob Murphy, who we've had on the show a couple of times, he says that might be the most important economic concept for people to understand is delay gratification. And the other thing I think is a, uh, just another example from cars that people can relate to is uh, I have a buddy that I helped uh, retire from education and he grew up with not a lot of money with a single mom in a trailer, a very small trailer. And now he's grown and he's been su pretty successful teaching career, retirement. Now he's got a retirement, so on and so forth. And the other day he was telling me about his truck and he said, yeah, I was going to buy that, but it didn't have cooling seats. Now, it used to be everybody wanted heated seats, but he experienced cooling seats. So that's now a, a necessity for him. And so Nelson really was talking about that ex expenses are going to always rise to equal your income unless you fight that Parkinson's law. I think that is the clearest way to say it. When he just came out and said, expenses rise to meet income. What does this exactly mean? This means if I make $20,000, I will have a year. Let's just say $20,000 a year. I don't know anyone who could live on $20,000 a year. So I'm picking a number who's that's very, very low. So if that's my income, I will have a desire to spend, let's say probably about $50,000 in that year because human nature sees things that we want that we cannot afford and we have to have them or we desire to have them. There's This is the phenomena that he's pointing out of Parkinson's law that exists in all human nature. Our desire, our appetite for things, for better, for more luxury, for a nicer this, a nicer that, more vacation, more, a better car, whatever it is, is always higher than your income. So now my income raises to that $50,000. Am I satisfied now that I can purchase all $50,000 that I wanted before? Of course not. Now my appetite's probably about $200,000 because now I said, ooh, now I have more income. Now I can spend more. Ooh, now, now I don't just want what I wanted before. Now I want something even better than that. Now I make $200,000. Do I? Am I satisfied at $200,000? No, now my appetites are closer to probably $800,000 because, well... We all have that craving for more. If you make $4 million a year, there's still an appetite for more than you can afford. Nelson brings this so poignantly 
into the front and center of the conversation because he says, we cannot keep chasing higher income so that we can spend on all the things that we want. The problem is that if we do that, if we follow our appetites, our desires, we'll never be in a position that we can save. We'll never get ahead financially because we've not delayed gratification. We're being driven by our appetite, which is not, excuse me, my nose is bothering me a bit. So which is not being elevated to our highest way of living as a human. It's really an almost more an animalistic way of operating. It's I desire it. Therefore I need to have it. I am going to go for this right now because that's what I'm seeing in front of me that is most important. And if I can't curb that appetite and instead desire to move ahead financially and delay gratification and spend less than I make and be okay with living on less than what other people at my income level are making or how they're living, I will not be able to defeat Parkinson's law. I don't know if you can say that in a better way, Bruce. No, that's, I think that's a great way of saying it. And, um, you know, I just find it interesting that, you know, excuse me, statistic called a bell curve, you know, and there's people that live on the left-hand side of the bell curve. And so they're really good at overcoming Parkinson's law. And then the middle of the bell curve is where most people live and they're struggling with it all the time. And then there's people that are live on the far right of the bell curve, which they, they, they don't even come close. And so they're drowning in debt and so on and so forth. And so if you can, if you can start to push yourself on the bell curve more towards the left-hand side, it is a way that you can then uh, experience life in a much more calm and easy living type of thing. But it takes personal responsibility. It's funny, we just, it always comes down to personal responsibility. You know, I, I hear it all the time. I do it myself, you know, oh, I don't have time to work out today. Well, that's because I've just, I've chosen not to take the time to work out today. And people say, well, I can't get ahead because <clears throat> I have so many expenses. Well, you have to look at your expenses and, fig- and figure that um, there's some things in there that you really don't need. And I see it at every income level. I see it at people and families that are making fifty to seventy-five thousand. I see it at people that are making or having um, four million dollars of net worth, and but they're spending all their cash flow that that net worth doesn't even mean anything. It's not growing. It's actually being whittled down. Uh, so it's not a, it's not an income thing. The level of income because a lot of people say to themselves, "Well, if I can get to this, then I will be happy." Well, what they happen is what happens is just what you said. When they get there, then they say, "Well, they change the happiness meter." Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm going to have to get to here to be happy, and then they get there, and they're not happy, and then they keep moving the happiness meter to the next part. So, yeah, Parkinson's law think, needs to be over- overcome. I think that relates back to the materialistic culture that we have, especially in America, where we are so driven by what we see everyone else having and making. And it can seem like we are the only ones who are struggling because everyone else is affording this thing that we want and that thing that we want. And they have this and they have that. Well, we are only seeing, you know, person A's life in this category that they've chosen to spend in that area and person B's life in this category. 
And we're not evaluating their entire financial picture, their entire financial life, or how far ahead they are financially. So we have a question, and I think I'm going to just break this down really briefly. So the question is, could you please explain the first point of Parkinson's law again and its relation to infinite banking? So let me just wrap this whole piece in a nutshell. Parkinson's law basically says it relates time to money. It says that your... your work or the amount of time that you spend on a project is going to expand for to fill the time allocated. Then it relates over to money. And it says, our expenses will always rise to meet income. What that means is that if we cannot curb our insatiable appetite to spend money on expenses, on things, we'll never be able to save money. We can... in order to use infinite banking, you have to save. But you can have the logic of saying, well, at the current income I make, I'm spending everything. I can't afford to save. I will save when I make more money. Then you start making more money. And lo and behold, you now no longer have that excess you thought you would have to be able to save because now there's an appetite to fill all of that with expenses. So I hope that that comes across clearly. I do want to make another point as well. So Bruce, you were talking about the bell curve. And what's interesting about the bell curve is that you mentioned people who maybe don't struggle with Parkinson's law as much because they're frankly, miserly, scrimping, saving everything, never enjoying life. So you can be on that spectrum and not living well. Or you can be on the other side and saying, I've got to live each day to the fullest. I need to spend everything that I have. I don't know if tomorrow's promised. So I'm going to spend everything. And really, I would say on either side, maybe it's a different bell curve, but you can be in scarcity. You can be living in fear and worry and um, frustration, whether you're spending nothing and saving everything or whether you're spending everything and saving nothing. So neither is a good position to be in. Really, what we want to do is have a healthy view of money, a healthy relationship with money, where we have a systematic way of saving first, having good money habits, spending the rest. No, you don't have to live on rice and beans. No, you don't have to go eat tuna and ramen. You don't have to um, sell all your cars and walk to the grocery store and bike only and never buy gas again. You don't have to turn off your AC and your heat in your house. You don't have to um, not buy clothes for the next 20 years. So we're not talking about a miserly way of living that makes you a miserable human. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. What we are saying is that it's really important to recognize you don't have to keep up with the Joneses. There's, you're not in competition with anyone else. You don't have to have the best boat and the nicest car and the newest remodel in your kitchen in order to be a successful human that's worthy and deserving of respect. And if you can respect yourself for the decisions that you're making, other people will respect you. You don't have to earn other people's favor by the way that you spend and show off opulence yeah. to them. Yeah. And it's simple. I think, you know, maybe I, maybe I glossed over this, but it simply means that you, you actually save first before spending. Um, because then uh, you would realize that as soon as you get more money, it doesn't have to leave you right away. It can actually be placed somewhere to actually benefit you for a longer period of time. And how's it benefit? Well, Maybe it is from investments, but the biggest benefit in relationship to IVC is you eliminate the need for finance because you finance everything. Whether you pay cash for it right away, you you 
lose the ability to make money on that money or the opportunity cost, or or you finance it and then you keep paying the financing fees. So if you can delay gratification uh, by not expanding your spending right away, that's how it relates to IBC. Because if you can defeat Parkinson's law, you can save and you might save in an infinite banking policy and have more money to put over into infinite banking. And then here's the amazing thing. When your income rises and you already have Parkinson's law beat in your life and you've already defeated this um, urge to have to spend everything right now, now you have a rise in income. Now you have more money to increase what you're putting into infinite banking. You can start another infinite banking policy or you can pay back a loan, you have more capital that you can put into your infinite banking or family banking system. Um, Bruce, this was really funny. I think at the end, um, Parkinson told a story about a British government official who served in the time of World War I. And he said, young civil servants would come into the office and they would bustle in with all these important documents. And this um, this um, government official, then as they would reach the door, they were leaving. He would say, Oh, one thing. And they would say, yes, what's that? And um, he would say, remember rule six. Mm -hmm. And they'd say, yes, sir, of course. And then they'd say, okay, well, actually, what is rule six? Well, rule six was don't take yourself too seriously. And then they would say, oh, wait a minute. What about all the other rules? And he said, there is no other rules. There are no Mm -hmm. other rules. And I think what's very funny about that and interesting is that we um can take ourselves way too seriously in this trying to attempt to beat parkinson's law we can try to um be purely rational about it we can try to say well i just don't need to spend anything that's kind of the more towards the miserly the hoarding um just frustrated um penny pinching person that you probably wouldn't want to be around and no one else is going to want to be around either so we don't want to be in that boat where we're saying, oh, I can't spend anything. I can never enjoy life. I can't um, ever give anything to other people. I can I can only hoard this money and store it away. So don't take yourself too seriously in this matter. I think really it comes down to have personal responsibility and then realize that you need to make good decisions, but also, um, um, yeah, not not put yourself in a position where you think that it all rests on your shoulders either. Yeah, Nelson had a great sense of humor himself. The funniest thing I, I've ever heard him say is that um, he didn't know um, he didn't know where to start when he was explaining infinite banking. He said he felt like he was it was just like a mosquito in a nudist camp. He didn't know where to start. <laughs> And so he he himself didn't take himself too seriously. And I've I've commented before, you know, he was a great mentor of mine. And I would come to him with certain questions and he would say, well, then Bruce, don't do it like that. Or I'd say, well, Nelson, my client is thinking this. And he goes, well, Bruce, maybe you should listen to your clients. Maybe they maybe they have to think about this a little bit longer. Don't try to tell them, no, that's not the way to do something. In other words, Nelson was great at letting people experience things for themselves and figure it out for themselves because that's the best way to learn if you figure out for yourself. So we got a couple more comments by 
Marco, Marco, uh, <laughs> Marco's from Italy. And, uh, you know, I, I find I've been to Italy twice on two 12 day, um, they call it holidays. We call it vacations here in the state. And it's just a wonderful place. And the people are so, so nice. And Marco's uh, has very, some very, very great comments. And one of them was about, um, you know, we shouldn't be striving for happiness. We should be striving for being enthusiastic. And I have read a little bit about this. And I think, um, and that's what he's talking about with the uh, spending money to try to find happiness. And because you can't always be happy, but you can always be enthusiastic because happiness is a goal that you've set yourself. But enthusiast, being enthusiastic, it's, it's kind of like the journey to the goal. Mm. And I think that's a re- very good point, uh, Marcus. And then he also says, uh, we'll make a trip to Italy. It will be nice and interesting. We can meet. Um, Marco, I, I agree. I love that place. It's one of the places that I, my wife and I have talked about spending, you know, considerable time and would love to would love to meet up with you sometime. It's one of the greatest things when I travel the country, meeting some of our clients where I've only met over Zoom when I meet them in person. And actually one uh, uh, couple actually came, actually two people now uh, have since come to St. Louis and met met with us too. And our friend James Nethery has actually recently had a client event in Texas. And that might be something we might want to do too, is have our clients all meet and just share their experiences to them and share the enthusiasm about being around, you know, people that think the way they do. So Marco, Mm -hmm. maybe you can come to the United States too, and we'll, and we'll uh, see you here. So, but that's, that's a great, great points. And thanks for uh, commenting today, Marco. So let's go ahead and conclude these thoughts here. There's more human problems that we're going to talk about, but this is the biggest one that really is the crux of what you need to conquer in your own life in order to be able to be successful as an infinite banking user, as a person who's building wealth. I can tell you from people that we've talked to, from experience, that you can make a considerable, tremendous amount of money and still not feel like you have a good grasp of how to handle it well and how to make it last, how to manage it, how to do what you want with it and still have that frustrated way of interacting with money where you're afraid to spend, but you're not really sure what to do with it. And so there, I think there's two different pieces. You can make money, but it's not just about what you make. It's really about what you do with what you make. And that's something that can be applied to anyone. Having good money systems, having a good money mindset, having an, a mindset of abundance and conquering Parkinson's law, but not being in a position of scarcity is really going to help you move in that position of rethinking your thinking and being able to make tremendous progress with infinite banking. So what's interesting is that Nelson then will bridge over next time we talk about this book. You can read ahead if you want. Next, we'll talk about Willie Sutton's law. He talks about that as soon as you conquer Parkinson's law in your own life, and now you have amassed some wealth, there is another law, which is that any wealth that is amassed has people who are looking to steal that. And who is the number one thief in America? I will leave that for you to answer in the comments. I'm not going to tell you until next time. So, and this might be a different thief if you don't live in America. 
So becoming your own banker, first point of interest, go get this book, read through it. It is going to change your life in so many ways. And as we're hopefully sharing with you through this series, there's so much more than meets the eye with this book. It's not just a literal factual, here's the facts, um, take it at face value only book. It is something that there's layers and layers and layers of depth. If you truly read it, do a first pass, do a second pass, do a third pass. You're going to start gaining more and more insight as you start understanding the concepts. And if you have questions, we'd love to answer them for you. So there's a couple of ways you can handle that. If you have a question about anything we discussed today or about Nelson Nash's book, you can put those in the comment section of wherever you're watching so or listening. So if you're on um, the podcast channel after today and you're not watching, you're just listening, you can also email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com and you can ask your questions about Nelson Nash's book and what infinite banking means or what he meant by something that he said. And we would love to clarify that for you or bring that into a future episode. If you have questions about yourself specifically, and you're wanting to say, here's my situation, here's what I'm trying to accomplish, here's what I think my need for financing is, here's where I'm overcoming Parkinson's law, here's what I have to work with now, here's what my expectations for income are in the future, can I fund an infinite banking policy, is it wise for me to fund it at this level, what kind of structure should I have inside of that policy, if those are the type of questions that are on your mind and your heart right now, you can reach out to us with a personal conversation. So we have our calendar available. You can go to themoneyadvantage.com. You can book a call with our advisors and that will be your first stepping off point to really having a personal conversation to figure out the best way to apply this to your life. If you just have any financial questions at all, you just want to say, how can I improve what I'm doing financially? Maybe you're already using infinite banking. Maybe you have questions about the investments that you're in. Maybe you're in a position where you just want to do something differently and better than you've been doing before. And your mindset has grown past the type of advice that you took to start the financial system you're in right now. We'd love to talk to you. So go ahead and book that call. And we would love to help you optimize your financial life so that you have the ability to enjoy your life and your money as much as possible today and pass on and leave a legacy as great as possible to future generations. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for everyone who's been engaged on social media, mostly on YouTube and on Facebook. And Bruce, anything you want to share before we close out this episode? No, I think um, it's all the last thing just to reiterate is it's all about personal responsibility. And if you take personal responsibility and fail, at least you know you're in control to change it into the future. If you take if you if you put push the responsibility on someone else and they fail you, then who else are you going to turn to? You're going to turn right back to somebody else again and they're going to continue to fail you and you're going to feel even more despair. So it's all about personal responsibility in these in these laws that we're talking about. Which means you can't be a victim. All right. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for being with us on this show. And we will see you next week. And we're going to have some more great conversations for you. So in closing, please remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. We'll see you next time. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. 
go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.